0: Thank you for downloading A Jigsaw Guide to Life with Alec McClellan. Hi, I'm Tim Donnelly. Welcome to the program. We're so glad you could join us today. You don't need great faith
1: in God. Sound surprising? If so, I'll soon share the reason
0: why. Alec has a passion for pursuing truth, practicing tolerance, and promoting critical thinking. An author and a speaker You can find out more about Alec and his resources at www.alexmcclellan.com. Faith is critical to Christianity, so we need to develop a greater understanding about the nature of faith. For example, is faith limited to the realm of religion? Some claim science is no place for faith. How do we respond? There are times our faith is weak, and we wonder how much faith is enough. On today's program, Alec explains the relationship between faith and reason, the relationship between faith and feelings, and the reason why we don't need great faith in God. First, to understand faith,
1: we need to understand the relationship between faith and reason. Many people seem to think faith and reason are like oil and water. The two never mix, and you have to make your choice. Are you going to be a person of reason or a person of faith? Some people of reason uh, are very quick to look down their noses at people of faith. One classic example would be Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist who wrote the book The God Delusion. Belief in God is the result of a delusion. People who believe in God are deluded. Richard Dawkins would describe a person of faith as this kind of flighty religious type who lives with their head stuck in the clouds, as opposed to the more reasonable scientific person who lives with their feet firmly on the ground. Some people of faith also seem to reject the importance of reason. C.S. Lewis challenged people on this. He said, if you do not listen to theology, that will not mean you've got no ideas about God. It will mean you've got a lot of wrong ones. I like what Cambridge physicist John Polkinghorne famously said, and listen to this, the scientist and the theologian both work by faith, a realist trust in the rational reliability of our understanding of experience. Now that's worth saying again, Polkinghorne, the scientist and the theologian both work by faith, a realist trust and the rational reliability of our understanding of experience. What is Polkinghorne saying? He said, you can't prove rationality is reliable without assuming rationality is reliable. The relationship between faith and reason is that they work together. Unfortunately, there is a lot of confusion in the culture. Many people think people of faith live independent of reason because faith is independent of reason. Well, where does it come from? Well, it comes from our feelings. We live life by following our feelings, particularly in the context of faith. Now, feelings are God-given. They're wonderful. Can you imagine life without them? But the Bible is very clear that we must never take our feelings and separate them from reason. And someone who has a a faith that's purely built upon their feelings, well, they get into all kinds of difficulties. One of the first ones is that our feelings can change over time. So if you anchor your faith in your feelings, what do you do when those feelings change? I remember meeting a woman a number of years ago who came to trust in Jesus as a result of a very powerful experience. But she said to me, she said, Alec, that experience was a long time ago and it was almost as if the rear view mirror of her life, that experience was getting further and further away, smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, I got alongside her and said, this is amazing experience that you had, never forget it. But there are other things that you can hold on to that can feed into your faith, that can encourage and strengthen your faith, give it a firm foundation with reasons to believe that your faith is true. Not taking away from the experience, but adding to it. Faith and reason working together. Another problem with taking your faith and just anchoring it in your feelings is that your feelings are your feelings. No one else can have your feelings. And if your faith is purely built on your feelings, you've got nothing of substance to say when it comes to sharing your faith with somebody else they will have their own feelings. These are just some of the difficulties that we get into when we anchor our faith solely in our feelings. Now, when we come to trust in Christ, our feelings are involved, absolutely. But so is our reason, because faith and reason work together. In fact, Jesus said, when it comes to following me, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. There's nowhere else to go. But some might say, well doesn't the Bible talk about blind faith? Isn't it that verse in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, now faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. I mean that sounds like blind faith, it sounds like the definition of blind faith. But we need to dig a little bit deeper into that verse in that chapter to understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Now the word translated faith here is the Greek word pistis, Now, you'll never find that word used to to teach about um, faith that is unreasonable or detached from the real world. In fact, that word pistis can sometimes be translated proof or assurance. In Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul has this incredible address he gives at the Areopagus where he talks about the resurrection as proof of our faith and our trust in Jesus. And he uses this word, pistis, when he talks about the importance of the resurrection when it comes to having faith in Jesus. This word doesn't talk about blind faith. It's our faith and reason working together. Well, what about the rest of that chapter, chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews? There's a long list of the great heroes of the faith. And indeed, these individuals, they never received in this life what was promised. They lived life from an eternal perspective. And yet these individuals weren't living life with their eyes closed. They kept their eyes open. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, consider Abel, for example. Well, who is Abel? Go back to Genesis, chapter 4. Abel was one of the sons of Adam and Eve. Now, can you imagine Abel growing up, bouncing on his dad's knees? What stories he would hear. So Abel's faith was not in a vacuum. Abel's faith developed and grew with his understanding about God and who he was and who he is. So we can see uh, the, the way that faith and reason are working together. Also, the book of Hebrews talks about Abraham, a great man of faith, a man who lived and demonstrated his faith. And yet we can see that Abraham was a man that had a relationship with God. God spoke to him. And so this faith that he had, it didn't just flow out of his feelings. It was reasonable faith and reason working together. So, we can see that people of faith in the Bible, according to what the Bible teaches, and even if someone says, Well, I don't believe what the Bible says, at least they can understand that the Christian faith, based upon biblical teaching, is that you don't close your eyes, you keep them open. Faith and reason working together. Another interesting aspect about faith is that it's not just static, faith can grow. Now the faith that we have when we trust in Jesus, that's something that is secure and sure. That is something that is sealed by God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians and the Corinthians about this. The faith that we have that, that it really secures our salvation isn't based upon how strong our faith is, but based upon the sealing work of God. But when it comes to what we think and how we feel... Sometimes our faith can feel weaker or it can feel stronger. We can go through tough times. And so the Bible says those difficult times will come. Uh, Actually, in the book of James, we can see that God allows some tough times to come. Why? To develop godly character in our lives. That is why when we walk... In the Christian life, we don't walk alone. God walks alongside us. He gives us his word to encourage us. He gives us other Christians as part of the family of God to also bless us and support us. The Christian life is not to be lived in isolation. So we can see these ways that God is building godly character into our lives and that requires faith on the journey. But what I want to close with is what I started with. You don't need great faith in God Why? Well, Jesus taught about this specifically in the book of Matthew chapter 17. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples how much faith was necessary to see him do great things. I mean, can you imagine? We're going to have it straight from the mouth of Jesus. Just how much faith is necessary to see God do great things. Jesus looked around for something to use as an example and said, you're going to need faith the size of a mustard seed. What was that, Jesus? For a minute, I thought you said, must, yes, mustard seed. But Jesus, no, I want to know how much faith you need to see amazing things. Jesus said, yes, amazing things. Faith the size of a mustard seed. One of the smallest things Jesus could find lying around. Why? Jesus said, when it comes to faith, it's not about you. It's about me. When it comes to how much faith is necessary, you need faith the size of a mustard seed because it's not about you. It's about me. Jesus said, you don't need great faith in God. You need faith in a great God. You don't need great faith in God. You need faith in a great God. One of the dangerous teachings that can circulate within Christendom today is this idea that we need lots of faith, particularly if we want to see God do something amazing. In fact, you know what? You want to see miracles happen? Well, it's going to depend on the measure of your faith. That kind of false teaching promotes this idea that God is like a genie in a bottle. You're going to get your way. If you rub him the right way, you're going to get what you want as long as you can rub God the right way. The Bible says you need faith the size of a mustard seed because it's not about you, said Jesus. It's about me. That's why you don't need great faith in God. You need faith in a great God. A wise man said, strong faith and a weak plank will get you wet. But weak faith in a strong plank will get you across the river. Imagine you were in a forest and you wanted to cross a river and you're looking around for a way to cross and you saw what looked like two bridges potentially. One was a very thin, wispy piece of wood. The other was a solid beam going across the river. And suppose a person said, you know what? I'm going to go across that little bridge, that little thin, wispy piece of wood. Why? Because I have faith I'm going to make it. And that person might walk up with the most utmost confidence, belief, faith that they're going to make it. And with one step on this wispy little piece of wood, there was an almighty splash. That same person might pull themselves out of the water and walk over to the solid beam... Crossing the river, and maybe their faith has been dented significantly to the point they're not sure. Even with this, they're going to make it. They may just tiptoe slowly to the other side, but they would arrive safely across the river. Why? It's not about the strength of their faith. It's about the strength of the bridge. Strong faith in a weak plank will make you wet, but even weak faith. And a strong plank will get you across the river. You don't need great faith in God. Jesus said, it's not about you. It's about me. You need faith in a great God. And Jesus said, you can trust
0: in me. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about Alec and his resources at alexmcclellan.com. That's www.alexmcclellan.com. I'm Tim Donnelly, and thanks for listening to A Jigsaw Guide to Life with Alec McClellan.